0: We meet today in the epistle of the Apostle Paul to the Ephesian church And today we are not going to look into any details of a particular chapter But give you an introduction to this important letter Now, there were four men who left Rome in the year A.D. 62, and these were going to Asia Minor, which is currently called Turkey. These men carried four of the most inspiring compositions of the Christian faith. When these men bade farewell to the Apostle Paul, each one was given an epistle to bear to his particular constituency. And these four letters are in the word of God, and they are usually or generally designated as the prison epistles of Paul, since Paul wrote them while he was imprisoned in Rome. He was waiting a hearing before Nero, who was the Caesar at that time. Paul, as a Roman citizen, had appealed his case to the emperor, and he was waiting to be heard. So these four men and their respective places of abode can actually be identified. One of them was Epaphras or Epaphroditus, who was from Philippi, and he had the epistle to the church at Philippi, the Philippians. Then the second one was Titicus from Ephesus, and he had the epistle to the Ephesians, uh, which we are talking about. Then Epaphras was from Colosse, and he had the epistle to the Colossians. And then the last one was Onesimus, who was a runaway slave from Colosse, and he had the epistle to Philemon, who was his master. These letters present a composite picture of Christ, the Church, and the Christian life, and the interrelationship and functioning of them. These different facets presents the Christian life on the highest plane. Ephesians presents the church, which is the body of Christ. This is the invisible church of which Christ is the head. Colossians presents Christ as the head of the body, the church, and the emphasis is upon Christ rather than on the church. Philippians presents Christian living, with Christ as the dynamic or the power for living. And we read, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philemon presents Christian living in action in a pagan society. Now, from that observation, you realize that the gospel worked in shoe leather in the first century, and it worked. This is the thing that we are going to see. In this epistle to the Ephesians Ephesians reveals the church as God's masterpiece a mystery not revealed in the Old Testament it is more wonderful than any temple words with hands are constructed of living stones indwelt by the Holy Spirit the church is the body of Christ in the world to walk as he would walk, and to wrestle against the wiles and the schemes of the devil. Someday the church will leave this world and be presented to Christ as a bride. The epistle to the Ephesians is lofty and it is heady. It is difficult to breathe the rarefied air of the epistle. You will find this to be true when we get into it. We will do the very best we can with the help of the Holy Spirit who is our guide, teacher, who helps us to understand. The Holy Spirit actually would not permit Paul on his second missionary journey to enter the province of Asia where Ephesus was the prominent center. We read from Acts chapter 16 verse 6. Now when they had gone through Praja and the region of Galatia, They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. You see, the Holy Spirit put up a roadblock and said to Paul, You can't go down there now. Now, we are not told the reason, but we know that God's timing is perfect. He would send him there later. So Paul traveled west into Macedonia to Philippi, down to Berea, down to Athens, over to Corinth, and then on the way back He came by Ephesus. Oh, what a tremendous opportunity he saw there. His report goes on to say, And he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Acts 18 verse 19 Paul was so favorably impressed by the opportunities for missionary work that he promised to return, which he did on his third missionary journey. He discovered that another missionary by the name of Apollos had been there in the interval between his second and third missionary journeys. Apollos had preached only the baptism of John and not the gospel of grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. At that time, Apollos didn't know about the Lord Jesus, but later on he himself became a great preacher of the gospel. Paul began a far-rich ministry in Ephesus, For two years, he spoke in the school of Tyrannus, and the gospel penetrated into every center of the province of Asia Minor. Evidently, it was at this time that the churches addressed in the second and third chapters of Revelations were founded by this ministry of the Apostle Paul. Ephesus was the principal city of Asia Minor, and probably of the entire eastern section of the Roman Empire. It was second only to Rome. The city had been founded around 2000 BC by the Hittites. Ephesus was one of the great cities of the world. It was on a harbor that is now filled up, silted in. It is not a harbor anymore in fact it is about 6 miles from the ocean today at the time paul went there he sailed right up to the beautiful white marble freeway it was a very wide street and the marble for it was supplied from the quarries of mount prion the temple of diana in ephesus was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world it was the largest greek temple ever constructed 418 by 239 feet, four times larger than the Parthenon, but very similar to it. It was built on a marsh, on an artificial foundation of skins and chuckles, so that it was not affected by earthquakes. The art and wealth of efficient citizens contributed to its adornment. It had 127 graceful columns, some of them richly carved and coloured. It contained works of art, such as the picture painted by Apelles of Alexander the Great, hurling the thunderbolts. Inside this beautiful temple was the idol of Diana. This was not the beautiful Diana of Greek mythology. It was the Oriental, actually the Anatolia, conception of the goddess of fertility it was not the goddess of the moon but the goddess of fertility a vulgar many-breasted idol of wood all sorts of gross immorality took place in the shadow of this temple a flourishing trade was carried on in the manufacture of silver shrines or models of the temple These are often referred to by ancient writers. Few strangers seem to have left Ephesus without such a memorial of their visit, and this artistic business brought no small gain to the craftsmen. It was to such a city that Paul came. This is where the gospel had its greatest entrance. Paul went first to the synagogue and spoke boldly for the space of three months, Then he went into the school of Tyrannus and continued there for two years so that all those who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Acts 19 verse 10. This was probably the high watermark in the missionary labors of the Apostle Paul. He considered Ephesus his great opportunity and stayed there longer than in any other place. Now, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and he said, But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. First Corinthians 16 verse 8 and 9. Now because Paul's preaching was putting the silver smiths out of their business, there was great opposition, and as a result, there was a riot in the city. Paul was preaching the gospel of the living God, and life through Jesus Christ. Marvelously, God preserved him, which encouraged him even to continue. And Paul loved this church in Ephesus. His last meeting with the Ephesian elders was a tender farewell, as recorded in Acts 20, verse 17 to 38. Now, in the book of Revelation, we find that Ephesus is the first one of the seven churches of Asia Minor, mentioned in a series of churches that gives the entire history of the church. Ephesus was the church at its best, the church at the highest spiritual level. You and I today cannot conceive the high spiritual level that the Spirit of God had produced in these Ephesian believers. They loved the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they were drawn to him. The essential question is, how much we love him? Paul wrote to the Ephesians that Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Do we retain that love? Do we respond to him? Can we say, I love him because he first loved me? You see, this letter to the Ephesians ought to bring us very close to Christ. Now, Paul is logical in Ephesians, just as John is logical in Revelation. John was told to write of the things he had seen, of things that are and things that will be. There is a clear threefold division, and the book is arranged according to sevens. You couldn't find anything better than that. Now, the epistle to the Ephesians is very logical. Of the six chapters, the first three chapters are about the heavenly calling of the church, and these chapters are essentially doctrinal. The last three chapters are about the earthly conduct of the church, which is very practical. You see, the church has a head. The head of the church is Christ, and he is in heaven. We are identified with him. But the feet of the church are down here on earth. Now, Paul won't leave us sitting up there in the heavenly places. He says, walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Ephesians 4 verse 1. In other words, it is nice to sit up in the heavenly places and boast of your position in Christ, but for goodness sake, get down out of your high chair and start walking. We need to remember that in Paul's day, believers were walking in a pagan society in the Roman world. The first half is doctrinal, the last half is practical, which makes a very logical division in the book. So we need both the doctrinal and the practical aspect of the Christian walk. The doctrinal section is also very logical. In chapter 1, the church is a body. In chapter 2, the church is a temple. In chapter 3, the church is a mystery. When we get to the practical section, we find in chapter 4 that the church is a new man. The church is to exhibit something new in the world, walking through the world as a new man. In chapter 5, the church will be a bride. Now, don't get the idea that the church is a bride now. The church is not a bride today. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 2, For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. In effect, he is saying, I'm getting you engaged to Christ today, and someday the church will be his bride. In chapter 6 of Ephesians, the church is a soldier, and there is an enemy to be fought. There is a battle going on in this world. Now, we need to stand for God today. What a wonderful prospect to come into this wonderful book. Now, here is Dr. McGee's suggested outline of the book, of ephesians as i said the first section is actually doctrinal chapters one to chapter three it is the heavenly calling of the church and there is the vocalization of that calling the church is a body and that is in chapter one the details of chapter one is that we have an introduction from verse one to verse two then we have the father who planned the church verse 3 to verse 6 and so we see that the body that god prepared and verse 7 to verse 12 god the son paid the price for the church and that is the redemption through the blood verses 13 to 14 we see the holy spirit god the holy spirit protecting the church and by one spirit we were all baptized into one body And finally, verse 15 to verse 23, prayer for knowledge and power is given. In chapter 2, we see that the church is a temple. The details of chapter 2 are hereby given. Verse 1 to verse 10, the material for the construction of the church. You see, the dead in trespasses are made into a new living temple. Verse 11 to verse 18, the method of the construction of the church. Verse 19 to verse 22, the meaning of the construction of the church. You see, that church grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Then chapter 3, it talks of the church as a mystery. And the details of this chapter are hereby given. Verse 1 to verse 4, the explanation of the mystery. Not revealed in the Old Testament, by the way. Then verse 5 to verse 13 is the definition of the mystery. Jews and Gentiles are partakers of the same body, which is the church. Then verse 14 to verse 21, prayer for power and knowledge. You see, you get strengthened with might and to know the love of Christ. That is the first section of the book of Ephesians, chapter 1 to chapter 3. Chapter 4 to chapter 6 is the practical section as opposed to the doctrinal section of chapter 1 to chapter 3. And so in the practical section we see the earthly conduct of the church And this is now the vocation of the church rather than the vocalization of the calling of the church. Chapter 4 talks of the church as a new man. And the details of chapter 4 are hereby given, verse 1 to verse 6, the exhibition of the new man, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. Verse 7 to verse 16, the inhibition of the new man. No more children grow up into him to become a perfect man. Verse 17 to verse 32, the prohibition of the new man. Walk not as the other Gentiles walk. Be kind to one another. Chapter 4 talks of the church as a bride. The church will be a bride And the details of this chapter are hereby given. Verse 1 to verse 17, the engagement of the church. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Verse 18 to verse 24, the experience of the church. Be filled with the Spirit. Verse 25 to verse 33, the expectation of the church that he might present it to himself, a glorious church. And finally, chapter 6, the church is presented as a soldier. And the details of chapter 6 are hereby given. Verse 1 to verse 9, the soldier's relationship. No man that wars, entangles himself with the affairs of civil life. Verse 10 to verse 12, the soldier's enemy, the schemes of the devil. Verse 13 to verse 18, the soldier's protection, the whole armor of God. Verse 19 to verse 22, the soldier's example, poor a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then verse 23 to verse 24 is the soldier's benediction. This is... A text indeed, and going through it would certainly teach us wonderful things about what we need to know, but not only what we need to know, also what we need to do as the bride of Christ. You see, in this letter, it is a build-up from what Paul had been talking about even in Galatians, having mightily defended gentle liberty In the epistle to the Galatians, and having shown Jew and Gentile to be equally vital in the eternal purpose of God, in the epistles to the Romans, Paul presents his supreme exposition of the central doctrine of his apostleship, the doctrine of the unity of Jew and Gentile in Christ, and of God's purpose for the world through his church. The epistle before us directed primarily to Gentile Christians, but not excluding Jewish believers, expounds their position in Christ and their corresponding responsibilities in Christian life. I look forward to looking into the details of this book as we go verse by verse of every chapter of the Apostles' letter to the Ephesian believers. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs, so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please write to the Living Word for Africa, PO Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620 South Africa.